Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Tom Thayer, 85 Bear. There was one time we were playing Tampa short yards goal line. I was in the end zone waiting for Harbaugh to throw me the ball. Instead of throwing the ball, he ran it in. And I go, Jim, you could have padded your stats by throwing me a one-yard pass. He goes, I, I know, but I thought you'd drop it. <laughs> did you think you had good hands? I, yeah, I know okay. I did. 41-12. Look at these things. 1985 Super Bowl champion. Walter Payton, Mike Ditka, Hungry Chicago, finally champions on this January day in New Orleans. Tom Thayer with Mully and Haw. On 670 The Score. Bears. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. What a delight to talk to the great man himself. And how humiliating to force him to share the airtime with us. He is Tom Thayer, local legend. And we are delighted to welcome him to the Score Hotline, which, of course, is brought to you by the fine folks at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Tom, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. You know, we're we're kind of having an argument, I guess, uh, just with ourselves. I, I, I it's we're kind of torn apart about this idea that Orlando Brown doesn't fit the scheme somehow, and that the Bears won't pursue it. Listen, there's plenty of reasons to not sign a guy. If a guy doesn't want to be with a team that's building, okay. Guy's got a taste of winning, wants to win, okay. Guy doesn't uh, think you're going to give him enough money, that's that's a problem on your part. But the idea that you can't pursue a, a, a four-time Pro Bowl left tackle because you're looking for a different style of player is confounding to me. Yeah, me too. But the one thing I liked about Orlando Brown when he came over to Kansas City is he made uh, the requirement that he played left tackle. And when I see that from a guy that understands. Hold on a second, Tom. We want to get this answer. So we're going to reconnect. We like the way you're going with that answer. Yes. Yeah, we really did. That's why we want to hear it. (laughs) We like to only have people on that agree with us. No, but, uh, you know, he, he was beginning to talk about that was one of the things when Orlando Brown went from the Ravens to the Chiefs, he wanted to play on the left side. He yes, played right tackle he with Baltimore. That's right. And so he moved to the left side, more responsibility, maybe more earning power, but he's certainly something that he embraced and a role that he relished playing, defending, and protecting Patrick Mahomes' blindside. Yes, he did. There's uh, little doubt about that. So very interesting stuff. Let's get back to Tom. Tom, continue the thought, please, sir. Well, what I was saying is one thing I liked about Orlando Brown when he came aboard at Kansas City is he made the requirement that he played left tackle because they were bringing him aboard to see if he would play right tackle. And he said, no, this is the position I'm comfortable with. This is where my confidence lies. And you see the results of the last couple of years. Now, it isn't an anomaly when you're sitting there playing with an unpredictable, well, or super talented quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and more throughout the development of his career uh, a little bit farther along than Justin. So 
I think it would be, yeah, I mean, Orlando would know how to uh, figure in the development of Justin and also be a part of uh, what they would hope to still be a, you know, a positive running game as much as anything that Justin's going to provide. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be against Orlando Brown, and he would be an interesting guy to look at. So, Tom, help us understand, though, if there is a conversation about scheme-specific offensive tackles, when people reference the idea that he might not be ideal for a certain scheme, what kind of traits are they describing, and how much do you believe in that? I don't, I don't, I don't believe in it. I mean, you can play or you can't play. In scheme to an offensive tackle – really doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot of difference unless you're going back to the Mouse Davis run and shoot where you have to control fatigue as much as you as you do results of the play. So, you know, talking about uh, a scheme, you know, in, in terms of having an experienced offensive tackle and there's a scheme that the guy can play in and he can't play in, I don't buy that. I, I just – I don't know if that's just an excuse to – you know, overlook the guy or um, just something that maybe somebody saying behind closed doors because I, I'm not a big believer in that. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Tom. And I, I, I think if a guy can play, you get guys that can play and you figure it out. And this would be, you know, as uh, as kind of uh, decorated a player as you're going to have on the entire offense, let alone the offensive line. So I, I think – I think the guy has proven to be worth uh, the investment, and hopefully they look at him. Where else are, are you looking? I mean, Caleb McGarry is a guy that the uh, the Falcons opted not to franchise. He's a right tackle. I don't know how you feel about him. He um, He's a guy that's pretty solid as a run blocker. I don't know if he was helped by the way they operate in terms of uh, pass protection last year. But, but uh, you know, you know about McClinchy. It just seems like there are options for the Bears at at, uh, at the tackle position that might really improve this team. Yeah, but I mean, are we are we focusing on tackles or left tackles? Because I right. think a guy like Braxton Jones gives you a little bit of versatility, and you know, adding him to the mix as the right tackle. If you did bring in here a bona fide left tackle, and you look at you think of McGarry and the the quarterback that he's played with in the last couple of years and they've already got rid of Marcus Mariota so you'd have to really go back and do some tape study on on him to see if um, the defense you were facing was affected by the quarterback that you were that Atlanta was using at the time and the same thing with McGlinchey you know I like the system that San Francisco plays it's a it's a hard fought a physical aggressive um, you know, there's a lot of variety to that San Francisco system, you know, and there it'd be just a matter of a health checkup. And any of these guys that have played uh, a, a good number of years, you know, you'd have to have a good solid health checkup on all of those guys because the last thing you'd want to do is pay a lot for damaged goods and not have the guy be a 17-game-a-year guy because you saw what the Bears went through this year with having so many, you know, players coming in and out of the lineup. And if you're going to try to put together an offense that's going to have some sustainability over the years, it's going to be because you will have an offensive line that can stay intact for a majority of the games and hopefully a, a few years. 
Tom, what do you think about Ryan Poles being so forthcoming and confident about being able to use the number one draft pick overall and trade down to get two future first-round draft picks as, as certain as he sounded about being able to do that? Well, I, I think you'd have to be a little bit naive if you don't think if you think you couldn't do that. I like the fact that Ryan is going out there and going, "Look, I have a fourth pick on Hallis Hall, and it says first round draft, first pick in the draft, the best come with your best offer." And I think that's something he should do to go out there and you know get it, you know, have a lot of you know, conversations started, talk to some teams that you maybe didn't think that you know, we're in the reality of, of trying to put together a deal, try to, you know, talk to as many people as possible. But no, I would think, does, is Ryan mind changed after the combine? It was this pre-combine conversation, and is the conversation a little different now after you saw what happened in the combine? And, you know, does it make people – increase their level of desire to come out and get one of these talent, these, these athletes that really have opened their eyes to what they need most, or do you try to develop future draft capital by going and drafting a guy like Anthony Richardson and making sure that you continue the development process fields and then see where you're at in one year. So, you know, there's a lot of different puzzles that I think were, you know, there's a lot of different puzzle pieces that you need to see where they fit per- more perfectly after the draft with then with the uncertainty before the draft. Because when I saw Bryce Young standing amongst the other quarterbacks in that hoodie with his backpack on, he looked, you know, like someone's younger brother there, you know, just, you know, watching his older brother <laughs> participate in the combine. So, I, I think it really changes the, you know, the storyline a little bit with the quarterback position. You know, when you when you saw the guys out there, and now you got to wait to see the pro day for some of these guys to see, you know, what they do. I got to tell you that that you just blew my mind with that idea. If they were to take Richardson and then wait a year and see what happened to him, while you're waiting a year to see what happens with Justin Fields, that would. I, I just am trying to – it boggles the mind. I'm trying to figure out how that would work. It's a it's Listen, a, yeah. if, if we're – you know, the beginning of the conversation started about are you surprised at how Fort Worth that Ryan Poles was in yeah. terms of talking about the first draft choice. Look at I, – I, I watched the, the whole combine from start to finish, and, you know, you become – Wow, the defensive tackle position. There's a couple of guys there that ran as well as I've ever seen. Wow, you got some outside pass rushes that put together a 40 time. Now you got to start studying tape because the 40 time caught your attention. When I saw what Anthony Richardson did at the quarterback position, and he's not a guy that you have to introduce to the weight room. He's not a guy that you have to introduce to the conditioning in some of the efforts that you have to put into having that type of performance. And now that gives me a kind of a, a, a judgment of his level of desire. And when I see guys like that that show up at the combine in such, such incredible shape and so much commitment to the combine, it tells me a little bit about what you're going to get in the future. So when I saw Richardson and I saw what the big picture of value is in the draft and what the Bears need in the future – Man, I, I would have to consider him as uh, 
you know, part of my thinking process and see what I could develop him into in a year. It's an interesting idea, Tom. I, I wonder if uh, if they can afford to do that, just given how many needs exist on that roster and on the depth chart, which brings us to free agency. Next week, how active do you hope the Bears are, whether it's Orlando Brown or whoever else? How, how active do you th- hope they are and how active do you think they will be? Well, I, I don't want them to be active just because they have money and they can start throwing it around. I want them to be active in pieces that are going to be brought aboard that are going to help this team in the continuous process to be a, become a division winner. Um, in you know what what um, position of strength are they going to put the Bears in to go out and be that competitor? Are they going to focus their attention on the needs, the extreme needs of the defensive line? as much as they are going to look at some, maybe some, you know, uh, you know, one of the bookend offensive tackles outside the draft. And so I, I would make sure that I would do my due diligence on free agents probably as, as much or a little bit more than I did on the, the combine, the draft guys, because they go through such, um, you know, a rigorous schedule why they're there of, you know, the, the meetings, the psychological approach, the physical examinations they go through, but don't bring in a project free agent. Don't bring in a guy that's had a couple years of injuries and now all of a sudden you think he's going to be healthy for 17 games a year because you signed him as a free agent. It's got to be about building blocks for a successful future, not just taking a flyer on a guy that came into the league with a good reputation, then all of a sudden the last whatever amount of time he's been around, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in an offense and defensive line that are going to stay together and be an integral part of this football team getting to that that next level. Tom, you, you watched the combine from uh, beginning to end. I'm curious, what was your take on the whole Jalen Carter experience? You know, the, the fact that he was there and then he had to leave, the arrest warrant was issued, the fact that he came back. And, uh, you know, I guess it was, it's been reported by Big Z that he did meet with the Bears, but he met with them on Tuesday. So I'm sure they're left with questions for him before – they could filter through whatever they um, got from him that night. So on Tuesday, they knew what was going on behind the scenes because everybody had heard what was going on. To me, Jalen Carter, I'm glad he left, took care of his responsibilities, um, even though, you know, because he was required to by law, but then I'm glad he came back to the combine. And I think that kind of showed me a little bit what I wanted to see. He wasn't hiding from the fact that, you know, he, this, this whole unfortunate and just super sad incident took place. Um, but, you know, when he did leave the combine and everybody knew he left and when he came back, I, I'm glad he did. And I'm not, you know, saying, Oh, congratulations to Jalen Carter for lying to authorities in the first place and then have to make up for it. Um, but I think that Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, they have a good understanding of, um, about the you know the player that they can develop, but the person they need to develop is more important. So I hope they got an indication of what type of kid this, what what type of guy, what type of person this guy really is behind the scenes. And is it just an unfortunate 
stupid, stupid incident that, listen, when we, you know, I did stupid things as a young man when I had my driver's license and was doing stupid things. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have anything like that happen to me that I that I had to pay the, you know, pay for. So, um I don't know. To me, I, as a general manager, I would like to have a uh, face-to-face conversation with this kid and see where he's at, the sincerity of his apology, uh, and to see where he thinks he's going to go moving forward. Because I think that's the determination the Bears have to make. I'm not, I'm not taking him off the board. However, um, if if I was Ryan and I had the opportunity, like I said, to have a face-to-face sincere conversation with them. I would know a lot more about them after than, you know, maybe they did Tuesday, but I think they probably knew Tuesday what, what he was going to face. What obligation did he have to bring it up in front of them during that meeting and how much would his reluctance, if it wasn't addressed, affect their evaluation of him as a prospect? Well, I mean, if he completely ignored it and then like he did, um, you know, right after the, happening when he kind of told a couple lies to the authorities about what really happened. If he would come in and try and pull that same, um, you know, attitude with me or try to ignore it or try to fib about it, then boom, then you're, you're telling me all I need to know. And that is, uh, you know, that would kind of put me on a completely different path of Jalen Carter because I'm not going to have a guy that here that's going to come in, be gifted all this money, then survive on lies. I, I, I don't need that. I don't need that in the locker room. And uh, so I, but I do think that Ryan Poles has been around enough players to understand when a guy is lying to him face to face. Tom, um, how much better does this team get from one year to the next? You know, they worked really hard. They put together some close games, but they ultimately lost a franchise record 14 games. Do you see them as being able to, to start moving in another direction here? Will it take more off seasons before that happens? What, uh, what's your take on where the franchise is heading? You know, uh, to me, I, I think a lot of the pressure is on Luke Getze because Luke sits in the quarterback meetings with Justin Fields. When you sit there and you ask any player, whether you're an ex, uh, whether you're an offensive lineman, a linebacker, a quarterback, you get asked questions in these meetings when you're installing new information. Now, how long does it take that player to answer the question? Do you answer it because you know it, or are you sitting there fumbling for answers and trying to go through, you know, all the things in your head that you've been taught and that'll take you a, lo- a long time. That tells me a little bit about the player. Now, if Justin comes in this year and he and Luke Getze have an incredible relationship where Justin's almost answering the question before Luke gets it out of his mouth, then you're starting to tell me there's mental development that you can add to the physical side of, of the practices and, you know, Luke will never be in a stance next year. He'll never take a center quarterback exchange. But in his overall development of the most important player for future success in this team, Justin Fields, then, you know, he's going to be able to tell you a lot more information during the stages of practice development OTAs than anybody else will on, on the field. 
Great stuff, Tom. Appreciate Thanks, Tom. Always a joy. Appreciate it, All buddy. right, man. See you guys. God yep. bless. That is our guy, Tom Thayer. Wow. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to recover from that. You're gobsmacked. I am gobsmacked. That's a great use of the word. Because Anthony Richardson on your roster when you have Justin Fields already there, to me, and I love Tom, doesn't make any sense. You think it's a redundancy? Yes, I do. I think it's a wasted draft pick. I do. And I, well, it's a good debate. It's a fun conversation. It's a wasted draft pick. Because I just don't know that you need that. What do you want Anthony Richardson to do? Grow up and be Justin Fields one day? If you draft him, that's what you're saying. I got to think about it. I, I got to think about it. I, I really, I love Tom. I respect his opinion. Oh, yeah. And, and it's a great you conversation. Know, and frankly, um, you know, Patrick Manley expressed a similar. He did. Type of opinion. Your last before. pregame show. Uh, yeah, I remember and, it. And I and I got to tell you, I I uh, I got to think it through a little bit. But we can come back and talk about it because it's an unbelievable idea. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.